It's a, it's a real delight to be here. And um, I better mention chapter 4 since that was mentioned. But really I'm going to focus on chapter 5. And uh, we'll look at verses uh, 15 through 21 in particular. Uh, just a comment here as we talk about uh, this uh, theme of a supernatural community. Um, I'm delighted to uh, be able to speak on this uh, and yet in some ways humbled by it because I feel like I'm on the front edge myself saying, boy, I've got so much to learn here, so much to learn. There's lots of growing to be done here. And I think that's true for all of us. And I think if we were to ask a faith question in in coming into a church, just picture someone arriving in a church, uh, what would they think based on what the church offers, the community offers? Uh, And a pastor, uh, a good friend of mine once made the point, he said, you know, when someone comes into a church who is not church, it's not part of their heritage to be in, in a church, there's a bit of a risk that's taken in showing up. It's sort of like, what am I getting myself into? And yet there's some reason for that. There's a sense of, this thing about God seems like it should be awfully important. What difference does God make? And I, I just say, that's really the question we should all be asking. What difference is God making in us? Because that's really what we have to offer. We're not here because we're a great social club. We're not here. I love the treats, but they're really available, you know, sort of in someone's home. Uh, you know, why do we come here for this? And the answer is, it's God. He's the reason. And so how are we doing as a church? And here we get to speak a little bit to ourselves and um, I've been around since the beginnings of Trinity Chippenham early on, and I count myself as a member here. And, and how are we doing in things like, and here we go to chapter 4, verse 16, um, how are we doing in a verse that says we're a community that is building itself up in love? And notice that it's a plural thought. It's, it's not just that I'm an individual and I'm supposed to have some oh, maybe um, skills and abilities that I can offer to people to impress them. It's not that at all, is it? Rather, the, the, the goal or the ambition of a church is that a group of people come together, and, and I can only picture um, what seems to go on. I don't get thermonuclear kinds of things, but I get this, that apparently atoms are knocking into each other, and in the process, they release a huge amount of energy. And what, what will eventually happen is more energy is released than is invested in getting the process to start. And when that happens, all of a sudden you get a massive release of energy. Well, in a sense, that's exactly what God does when he collects a group of people and lives within them. And all of a sudden there's more coming out of those people, that collection of people, the group of people, than they individually have to offer. Participating together, we begin to make a difference that is almost startling to the world outside who doesn't participate in what it is that we as a church have in meeting God and having him in our lives. And so that's the assumption that Peter, Paul I should say, who's writing this book, has in mind that uh, chapter 5 verse 1, he says we're imitators of God and we're people who walk in love as Christ loved us. And I go, wow, that's amazing. We are, in effect, giving that energy out, that dynamic out, that the love that God has for us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, is what it is that we then begin to share with each other. And I get to share it with David, uh, who was just here praying for me. And, and um, 
with Peter and with Al and with, uh, we can name the particulars, Sharon. And you name, put your own name in. And this is who we get to participate with as we are together. And the energy of that relationship or set of relationships then begins to spill out. So there's, there's something to this. It's not just something we happen to have. It's something that is actually the goal or the ambition or the purpose of the church. So here's the question. How are we doing? How are we doing? And Paul's invitation in the text that we look at this morning is for us to follow kind of two basic truths to live by before a watching world. As the world would say, what is this Christianity about Here are two things Paul wants us to offer. First of all, walk with care, and second, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, those are the two basic elements. Let me read the text, and you can hear for yourself. Verses 15, Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's a powerful text. There's a lot to it. So let's unpack it here. Let's walk through it. The first piece that I mentioned, the first truth to live by, I said is to live or walk as a watchful and wise community. Now, the reason I say there's two lessons that Paul wants us to offer is because as you go into the underlying language, we'll find two key words, what we call imperatives, the sort of call to action words. And there are two of these that shape the passage. One is this first word that we have uh, calling us to um, look at how you walk. And the second one is be filled with the Spirit. So that gives the structure to us for what he wants us to have as a community that we offer to the world at large. Now, first of all, this idea of walking is interesting. Um, it's the kind of language he uses elsewhere. Back in chapter 4, verse 1, he says uh, he uses the language, the same language once before. I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he goes on and speaks from there. And so in the same way, he's saying here, look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, what does it mean to walk? Have you ever thought about that? It's a euphemism, really, for how you live, the way we live. But the way we live is interesting. If I'm going to um, maybe get to the train station or from the train station to here, how do I do it? I put one step in front of the other, and then the other. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not, nothing, it's, it doesn't call for mathematics or, you know, brilliance. And that's what it is to live the spiritual life. Basically, it's one event after another after another, but it has a direction to it. It has a trajectory to it. It has a destination. It has a goal. It has a purpose. And that's what Paul is saying. As you walk, make sure you have a direction that you're following. Make sure you're going somewhere. Make sure you have wisdom. And what he does in the process of talking about this first basic lesson, walk with care, he sets up a bunch of not but 
not but, not but, three times. And that sets up the first part of this passage. Let's take a look at those collective not buts. The first one is look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And do you see the pattern he sets up of this back and forth, the negative and the positive? And he's going to do it again. Let's pick up the second one. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So there's the negative. Be fo- don't be foolish, but understand the positive, what the will of the Lord is. And uh, then do not get drunk with wine, uh, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So the third not but negative and then the positive and so what Paul is doing is he's setting up a kind of a confrontation and saying you know you used to live in a certain way Mm, don't go there any longer so think about the contrast that he's setting up let's let's do the knots Um, don't be unwise what's another way of saying unwise don't be foolish Maybe a foolish life is fine for some. Don't go there. And instead, live a life of wisdom. The the second one uh, is literally foolish again. In other words, he's really thumping this issue of not going in directions that lack wisdom. But instead, he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. And all of a sudden, we get a sense of, as we take our steps forward in life, what is the will of God for us? And I know if I were to ask each of you personally and privately afterwards, and now you're all going to avoid me, what is God's will in your life? Or collectively as a church, what is God's purpose for us here at Trinity Chippenham? Would we have that well in mind? In fact, in Paul, in the same letter, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow, what an adventure that would be to say, you've designed me, God. Well, now, what shall I do with that? The answer is, well, don't be foolish. That is, walk in directions that are away from the design that God has for us. And that what we find in chapter 4 is that each one of us is a contributing member of the body. And he says, you know, the hand has a role, the the foot has a role, the mouth has a role. Not all of you will get up here and talk, but some of you will put your hands into action. Some will care for the children. Some will do the, the fixing up and the straightening up. And some will give wisdom to us in direction and order and organizing things. We all will have different abilities. Some of you will be good encouragers. Some will be good listeners. Some of you will be counselors. But each one of us has a role that God prepared beforehand. We can spill into multiple roles, but there'll be one particular area where we're really good because God prepared us to be good in that area. And there's the joy of getting to know this God who made us, that we start to discover how we fit into the whole. And all of a sudden, the energy of our participating with others becomes much greater because we multiply each other through the distinct roles that we bring to the community. And that is then what brings us to the third one. It says, now there's the option of drunkenness. And here, it's funny about the drunkenness thing. What is it about drunkenness that has a power to it? Well, loss of inhibitions. Sort of getting to be who you really are. 
Not have to have all of, you know, just a drink or two to loosen up. But guess what shows up when people loosen up? Who they really are. And what he's going to do is set as the third positive. He says, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's fine to be loosened up, but what if it's the Spirit of God who's unleashing you? See, that's what he's setting up as the third feature. And in fact, that then sets up, it's the third element, the third positive. You know, the, so let's go through those again. Don't be unwise, uh, but be wise. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, what God's will is. Don't be drunk with wine, which I don't even know exactly what that word means, debauchery, but it sounds terrible, doesn't it? Don't go there. Just leave it alone. You've met some people who went there. Sometimes in the train station, I can see some of the younger folks heading out for an evening of debauchery. And I go, whoa, I don't want to be the security folks around here when they come back. But you get the point. What's the alternative? The alternative is to say, let me give myself, let us as a church give ourselves to the Spirit and see what He will do with us. Won't that be fun? Wouldn't that be something? I wonder if people would come and watch if a bunch of us gave ourselves over to the Spirit of God and said, whatever you want, God, I'm yours. And that's the invitation we have before us this morning. That's the whole point of my being here sharing. Because that's the second imperative, the second calling, the second lesson for life. If you want to live successfully, give yourself to God. And how does God take us? By giving us his spirit. Now, here's a little lesson. Trinity Chippenham. Where does the word Trinity come from? It's not in the Bible, by the way. So if you look it up, it won't be there. But it is there in presence, even if not the term. Remember in passage like uh, Matthew 5, for many of you, or uh, Matthew 28, any of you who are um, churched in, in your background, you may remember well the call to um, uh, go out and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You'll hear blessings in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you'll go through the Bible, even the text that we have today, we see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And why is that? Because God has always been in a conversation. The Father speaking to the Son and the Son speaking to the Father. And just this morning in my own personal Bible reading, which I like to do every morning, I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it was a brilliant passage. It says, things which eyes haven't seen, nor ears heard, nor the mind of man conceived. That's what God has made available to us by his Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of God, just as the Spirit of a man, each one of us has that depth within us, that deep side, that reflective inner person that says, why did you do that? occasionally sometimes says well done but a lot of times it's in me it's the why did you do that the deepest part of who I am the spiritual part the reality of my deep person call it the spirit that's what the bible does it says just as the spirit of God searches out the depths of a man so the spirit of God searches out the depths of God in other words we were designed in God's image and God exists in a dynamic communion so that God who is one is one but with distinctions as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the Spirit is the shuttling person, the being, the distinction within the Godhead who is going back and forth between the Father and the Son saying, hey, um, Father, the Son wants you to know he loves you. Oh, go tell him I love him. <laughs> you know, just can you see the Spirit going back and forth? That's his big job. Now, he's a little more creative than that. 
But the point is, that's who has been poured out into our life. Romans 5, 5. For the love of God has been poured out into our hearts as believers by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're inviting everyone to. If you're not a Christian, all you have to do is say, I want that. I would like to give my life over to you, Lord. Feel free to come in and take over. I'm yours. Okay, and at that moment, he says, oh, God, I've been waiting. Okay, so just let him come and take over because he's going to reveal the Father and the Son to you. And you get drawn into the conversation between the Father and the Son. That's where the energy comes from that makes a church distinct. Now, you can have churches that have never met the Holy Spirit. I hate to say it. I've been in a few. I've been part of churches that are just, oh, what's the next event that we do here? And it's not really the love relationship of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being poured out in a way that's very evident or overt. But that's why I have gotten this hit and run. I get to go to the United States in another three weeks and I can get out of here and they won't say, get that guy. Did you hear what he said? Get him, get him. See, I can run and hide. (laughs) Though I can come back in June, so never mind. Um, But the reality is God really is the one who investigates us and searches our hearts and wants to know, where are you going? Where collectively, Trinity Chippenham, are you? Are you mostly selfish and self-concerned or are you pouring out the love that I'm giving you to others in a community that's starting to have more energy going out of it than would ever have been there without the presence of God? There's the invitation. And so as Paul sets this up, he goes into the second segment of responding to God's spirit. And so here he has a unique set of, um, oh, I'm just going into English. I'm an old English teacher. I was trained to be an English teacher, even though I didn't grow up in England. I can speak English a bit. And, And here what we find is that Paul gives the single imperative, and then he has a set of fancy word participles. That is the words that end with the I-N-G. So what are the participles? Let's walk through this set of participles that unpack what it is to be filled with the Spirit. The first one is addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The second one is actually a pair of participles, singing and making melody. Here the I-N-G, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The next one is giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the final one, fourth one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so what he does here is he gives us the call, the lesson for life. And he says, now go here. And he gives us what it is that will be the signals or signs of someone who has the Holy Spirit spilling out where the change is starting to occur. And he says, this is a community, a community that will have the presence of the Spirit of God filling them will have these qualities. It's not that I'm going to say, today I'm going to work on, let me see, which one was the list here? Um, Addressing other people with Jewish praises. I don't know Jewish praises particularly. What Jewish songs and psalms? Should I read some psalms to people? Hi, I'd like to read a psalm to you. You see, that's not the point. It's not working at it. It's recognizing that he works that in us. Now, let me give you an example. The best I can do is I was here. How long ago was I here? A couple of months ago, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. 
Well, guess what I did as soon as I got back to the States? You can look it up on Google if you like. I went to Hug Point. Literally, look it up on Google. It's brilliant pictures. It's on the Oregon coast, on the west coast of the United States. It's my favorite go and talk to God place. And I spent two or three, four hours there just reading my Bible and saying, now God, here's a problem. It's, it's either your fault or my fault. It's never your fault. It's always my fault that my spiritual life isn't working. And, you know, and so I have those kind of conversations with God. And then I go back to other people to be comforted, encouraged, and refreshed, and strengthened because that's what the body of Christ does. So I went to Hug Point, and it was a brilliant time. And guess what I find every time I go to Hug Point? I do two things. I start tidying up and picking up bits and pieces of trash wherever I find them. I don't know why, but that's what happens. It could be the Spirit of God kind of cleans us up on the inside and we start cleaning things up on the outside. The second thing is I shut the radio down and I start singing songs and hymns and choruses. It happens every time. And no one told me to do it. It only dawned on me after about my 10th or 12th trip to Hug Point. I always do this. It just kind of comes out. But it took probably two or three hours of reading my Bible and speaking to God and saying, God, I've already done that. (laughs) You know the point. Because until we're actually engaging with each other honestly and engaging with God honestly, and allowing the Spirit of God to start to change us because we've invited Him to come and fill us. There's not going to be a change. But when the change happens, there's no turning back because then Trinity Chippenham becomes a place that everyone starts talking about. You hear that lot over there? They like each other. It's amazing. They're hanging out with each other. (laughs) They like to take meals together. It's amazing. Oh, if there's a chance for them to go to a gathering, they go to the gathering. What a deal that is. I wonder, what are they doing? What are they doing that they're having so much fun? You see, that's not something we work at. It's something that God works in us once we are indeed responsive to the Spirit. Now, we can be people who act as if we're Christians, but don't have the Spirit of God in us. I'm going to try and work at imitating this. Hi, uh, I'm Ron. How are you? It didn't work. <laughs> you know, we just, it, it happens spontaneously. If you like someone, it shows. And that's what happens when real community starts to occur. It just shows that you like each other. You care for each other. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that the the imperative is actually in a passive form. I'm giving you all kinds of English things here. That is to say, it's not something I bring to the mix. It's something that I receive. It's something being filled with the Spirit is something He does. And it's also a continuous active event. It's something that He keeps doing in us regularly and sustains in an ongoing fashion. And that's why the participles are there. And I thought, shall I sit down and talk about what a psalm is and what a hymn is and what a spiritual song is? I go, I'd waste time and I don't think you'd walk away blessed by that. But I can give you an example of what it looks like by going to the book of Acts. I think it's chapter 16 where Paul has been imprisoned along with Silas. He's been beat up. He's been put in stocks, chains, cursed, spit on, who knows what happened to him. And guess what he and Silas are doing in the middle of the night, at midnight no less. 
<laughs> They're singing hymns and praying. Now, what's he saying? Okay, let's see. What's the schedule? Now it's time to sing hymns and pray. And it says all the other prisoners were listening to them. What Paul is really doing is reflecting what he's talking about here. The Spirit of God was at work in that man's life and in Silas. And it wasn't just Paul. It wasn't just Silas. It was Paul and Silas. Notice the fact that communion is what makes Christianity work. We will never be strong Christians unless we're in communion with each other. We need each other. It's like logs in a fire. We go out unless we're put together. We need each other. And what happens is the, 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 the strength of God's power is such that when there's an earthquake, which happens in the Philippian jailer goes to, out to kill himself because as a Roman jailer, if he loses any of his prisoners, he might as well commit suicide. He's going to have his head chopped off. And Paul says, no, 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 we're all here. We're all here because... Paul had captured, it seems, that group of prisoners. And even though they had a chance to escape, they didn't escape. And what is it that the prisoner, uh, the jailer says at that moment? What must I do to be saved? Now, isn't that out of the blue? Can you walk, picture someone walking in here. Excuse me, what can I do to be saved? It's a little arbitrary, isn't it? And in fact, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen without conversation. Conversion, as we call it, the word of coming into a relationship with Christ so we participate in the Lord's Supper and actually go, oh, thank you for what you did, the body and blood. Boy, it would have been my body broken and my blood shed if it wasn't for what you did, Jesus. Oh, thank you so much. And celebrating that. How do you get into that kind of communion and that kind of community? The answer is by the Spirit of God bonding us and binding us. But that's a conversation. It doesn't happen. It's just sort of, oh, is it a magic word? What's the, what's the magic word I, I need to say? It's not a magic word. It's a profound relationship. And it's the conversation that we as a group of Christians offer to non-Christians. To, and did you notice how it worked with Paul and the Philippian jailer? Singing hymns and songs in the middle of the night. Midnight for crying out loud. Go to bed, Paul. Oh, after the next chorus. You see, it wasn't pumped up, it wasn't worked up, it was natural and spontaneous because that's what the Spirit of God does in us, and I'm not there yet. But I'm inviting the Spirit of God to do that in me as a participant in a community of others who are doing it as well. That's the invitation. You see, and that's the excitement of a church that will make a difference in Chippenham and Wiltshire and England and who knows. And in fact, I sat here, I was just reflecting, I'm sitting here some of you may have seen me writing over here saying, is he finally getting to do his sermon? Oh, no. Actually, I was sitting here jotting. Who's here today? We have Brits, English. I don't know. If we, do we have any Welsh here? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, Scots. I think we've got some Scots here. Well, there we go. How about Slovaks? Any Slovaks here? There we go. How about Italian? 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 Oh, <laughs> Nuncio. How about Finnish? Anyone Finnish? There we go. How about uh, American? I've heard an American accent or two. Okay. How about Romanian? Yeah? There we go. Talk about an international community. Now, what could ever gather a group like this if it weren't for the Spirit of God? He's creative. He's very creative. He doesn't worry about boundaries so much. What he worries about is a world that needs to have the love of Christ. And once we start to collect, we collect from all over the world and we spread all over the world because all of a sudden national boundaries and how we talk doesn't really matter. What matters is how God talks in and through us. And there's the enjoyment 
of a community captured by the love of God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so those are the features that he has. So we address one another in a variety of Christian praises. We sing and make melody to the Lord. And we do it how? With your heart. Did you catch that piece that says, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart? Now, the heart is the place, the, be, the, the, the part of us, call it the deepest part of us. We talked about our spirit. I think spirit equals heart, heart equals spirit. That's the motivational center, the place where we're responsive. I can think of a story that's really a kind of a weird story. It's one that I probably shouldn't mention. It's a bit X-rated, to be honest with you. But it comes from the Bible, so I can mention it. The book of Judges. The book of Judges, there's this guy named Samson. And he's got a girlfriend named Delilah. Okay? And what's the nature of their relationship? That's the problem. And she wants to know, because she's got some friends that are not really friends to Samson, how he has this remarkable strength. He's a Nazarite or Nazarene. He's got this sort of thing. And somehow God says, I'm going to give you physical strength that is absolutely extraordinary. And he knows that if he violates the Nazarene vow by cutting his hair, all that is gone. So finally, she says, why is it you say you love me, but you don't open your heart to me? And finally, he says, okay, here's my heart. Just cut my hair and I lose my strength. And she says, oh, good. Hey, buds, come on in, cut his hair, and let's kill him. Do you sense the lack of a heart-to-heart relationship there? But the point is we operate heart-to-heart, don't we? That's what we all long for, to have a sense of someone I can trust, I can really go heart-to-heart with. And you know who it is that comes and dwells within us, enters our heart and provides for us communion with God's heart, the Father, the one who searches God's heart, his inner works, the deepest part of God, that which eyes haven't seen, nor ears heard, nor the mind of man. I already told you that. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's what the Spirit of God reveals to us so that we can talk to each other with that level of intimacy, that level of awareness, that that's what bonds us together, that when we get together, we like to talk about God, not just talk about sports, which is fine, not just talk about whether Italian pizza is better than British pizza. That We can talk about that. But the issues are far more profound than that that God would have us talk about. Life and death, that which is eternal, that which is foolish, that which is profound, that which is dumb. And that's what Paul is saying. The Spirit of God will come in and start to unleash within us this quality of giving thanks. What is it that is the quality of having God at work in us, the Spirit of God in us? We give thanks always and for everything to God in Christ's name. Do you hear the Trinity there? The Spirit produces that responsiveness to the Father and the Son that is the work that He does within us and then through us. Now, I have run into a teenager or two in my lifetime. I was one. And you know what teenagers tend to do? Does the word sullen ever come to mind? Um, um, Rebellious ever occur? I was there. I was a teenager once. And guess what happened once I grew up? I started saying, oh, mom, dad, I'm so sorry. I was such a selfish little teenager. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your care. Now, what is it that we are as we have, and now we go to verse 16. I skipped over it, but I want to bring us to it. Verse 16, we have a problem and that he says the days are evil. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. 
Now, what he's saying here is that thanksgiving, for instance, and singing songs and all these things are going to be very different from a world that doesn't have... Now, I'm going to go back to chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, that doesn't have the Spirit of God. But guess what? If we are people of the heart, it's because we are always responding to others, because God designed us to be responders. So let me read... 1 through 3, 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the, trespasses and si- your tres- in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind, and were like everyone else, living in God's, in opposition to God, in in wrath. So what is it that the Spirit of God does? He is the Spirit who takes over from the other Spirit who is ultimately giving the values and impulses to a culture that doesn't, that has said, we can live without God. So who is the idea who came up with the idea that you can be like God? You don't need God. Genesis chapter 3 He's called the serpent. He's called the devil. He's called Diablos. You can call him whatever you like. He's the one who says independence and freedom is the key issue of existing. But that would make us as a group of free and independent people really pretty obnoxious towards each other because our biggest concern would be our independence. But do you notice the reversal that occurs once we become mutually interdependent? We're no longer worried about our freedom and our space and our place and our time, but instead we give it away freely because the Spirit of God is a bonding presence within us and He lets us love each other. So going back to the teenage the teenager that I was, once I grew, in fact, I became a Christian as a 16-year-old. You know what happened? I immediately started saying thank you to my parents. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what happens whenever God comes into a life we start to say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're so generous. You're so kind. And what happens when you're around a group of people that are always saying, oh, thank you, thank you. You're so generous. You're so kind. Are you ready to do something more for them, perhaps? So again, that's a quality of a church that's healthy, that has the Spirit of God present, working. It's not so much, well, you know, you didn't. I mean, he, I, I did once and then I never got back or whatever. You know, it's just, no, I'm so thankful. You've been so generous to me. You've been so kind to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, well, I'm preaching. I'm supposed to teach here. No, wait, I'm supposed to preach. Um, finally, it says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that's powerful. How is it that we submit to one another? It's, if I'm no longer, I'm doing that out of reverence for Christ. If I'm no longer, if my reverence is no longer for Ron Frost, but my reverence is for Christ, guess what I start to do? I start to become selfless and care for others, including those especially who share a love for Christ, because it's so much fun to be together with each other. And that selflessness replaces my old selfishness. And that's what it is to submit to one another. It's not sort of, okay, you're in charge today, but tomorrow I want to be in charge. That's not the point. The issue is that I'm ever selfless because I'm no longer independent from God 
and I'm now interdependent on others because that's what I'm made for. Interdependence is what I was made for. And that's why the community is so important. I must have you. And you need me, by the way. And you need me to finish, so I better wrap up. Okay, so let's, in a finale, ask the fundamental question. Are we overflowing with his spirit? Well, just take a look at how are you doing in your participling? Are those things spilling out of you? That's the signal that the spirit is really working his work in us. And that the life of God is starting to be like that nuclear reactor, starting to send out more energy than all the energy of setting up and taking down and fiddling and fussing to set up a service. Rather, we start to be a people who overflow with the love of God. And people start to say, I'd like to be a part of that community. How do I join? And the answer, here's how you join. Lord God, I've been rebellious and independent. I've been acting as if I was God. And I don't want that anymore. Would you come and take over my life and please give me your spirit? I want to live to you from here on. That's all ours. That's all ours. And the spirit of God says, been waiting for that. And he comes right in and says, okay, got a little cleaning to do here. A little participling to do here. But what you're going to find is no work. It's actually singing songs and humming hymns and enjoying fellowship with other believers. Let's pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for doing such a lively work in us. And yet we are so much on the front edge of what this is about. We'd just like to have more. So I pray that as we've teased these issues, we've explored these issues, may we walk worthy and may we be filled with the Spirit. And may all of these things that are positive start to be more true of us than ever before. I pray this in Jesus' name who made it possible. Amen.